The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. King Joffrey gets poisoned. Everyone flops their wieners all around his face. Welcome to another episode of HTM Tech, brought to you by the HTM Podcast Network. Also in association with Microplay in Brantford, Ontario, Canada. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching at the HTM Tech Pod. To listen to the podcast, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and all those other podcasters out there as well. As always, I am Big Joe. And I'm Money Mike. Yes, Mike, another week has come and gone in the world of technology, and as you heard in our opener... We had some more fun with some South Park, and that is going to be kind of a hint, a little uh, a little suggestion of what our uh, final bite segment is going to be about, but we won't give that away just yet. But uh, as always, our friends at South Park, great for some uh, off-the-wall humor and just uh, very topical stuff. And uh, this is uh, going back to, again, you know, with the launch of the uh, Xbox and the PS4 and uh, the whole Game of Thrones approach there. And uh, yeah, some good stuff there. Yes, yes. Stay tuned. The third one, the, the final segment is going to be a good one, and we have our second special guest. Too. Yes, so absolutely. we're going places. Absolutely. All right, man. Let's get into our first topic here. This is an interesting one, and the best way to kind of word this is kind of an end of an era when it comes to the Windows operating system platform. Uh, officially, as of earlier this week, Microsoft has stopped providing support and updates for the Windows Seven platform. This is uh, kind of making uh, news all over the place, Mike. Yeah, yeah, and to, to, because these, this episode will be coming out a few days after we record this, so it would Correct. technically be the week before. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was the 14th, where, uh, and actually the 15th, where a splash screen started showing up for anybody still using Windows 7 who is just, just clinging on to the past <laughs> and just doesn't want to do that free upgrade to Windows 10. And, and I can get, there are, I, can, well, I get there are certain reasons why you wouldn't want to if you've had a bad experience with, with Windows 8, for example. Mm. You might be a little reticent about upgrading, but regardless, a lot of businesses still use Windows 7. In fact, 26% of PCs in existence still are running Windows software. Well, that's going to be slowly a thing of the past. Microsoft has announced they're no longer going to be doing updates. They did their final update. And... For the consumer level, mm-hmm. if you still want updates going in the future, for if you're on the enterprise platform or the pro platform, you're gonna have to pay. Okay, but essentially yeah. for the rest of us, it's basically time to move on or leave yourself vulnerable to major exploits. 
Yep, and I know that a lot of uh, content creators uh, that are on the Windows platform, a lot of them are still using Windows 7 because it is pretty stable and you don't have to worry about uh, compatibility issues with a, a lot of things. But uh, yeah, Windows 10 is um, definitely going to be the basically what you're going to use unless your computer just can't run, in which case you should just go buy a new PC if you're on that platform. And uh, it kind of looks, uh, the, the approach that they're going to kind of go with is that I don't think that there's really like a Windows 11 or 12 kind of in the uh, in the future. Essentially what they're going to do is they're just going to keep beefing up uh, Windows 10, almost kind of somewhat of a similar approach to the uh, to the Mac operating system, although it is technically kind of a new version this year. It's like they're basically they're going to build on that foundation and hopefully make it something that's better. I think they're they're going for the long haul with this, and of course they're at that magic letter X, which seems mm -hmm. to define a lot of their branding. So it makes yeah. a lot of sense, right? 10x, whatever you know, the new Windows 10x platform, which is going to be powering all their dual screen dual screen laptops and, mm -hmm. and devices like that. But essentially, it's going to be more iterative now. They've they've basically got what works now. Windows 10 is a love hate relationship with me. I I told you before we started recording this. Nope. I have customized it to function like windows 7 because okay. i i will agree with a lot of the internet that windows 7 arguably was their best operating system in terms of simplicity right mm -hmm. it added some fantastic features the taskbar at the bottom you know the uh, a better way of interacting with file folders and and doing a lot more within that whereas windows 8 messed that up a lot and, and i I had Windows 8. I found nothing but problems. Half mm -hmm. my apps stopped working until finally Windows 10 came out. And then where the whole love-hate relationship comes in, because Windows 10 was designed for the Surface, you've got this unnecessary tab-like like like overlay that you can you can press the Windows button, and all of a sudden you're going to see all these buttons and tabs where I just don't need it. I stay on the desktop, and I basically make it function. Old school, Windows 7 works totally fine so yeah windows 7 it's been great but yeah. i think if, if if you just keep a simple simple approach to windows 10 you can get it functioning in a very similar way now for for recent version of windows my experience is pretty limited uh mainly to to uh, windows 8 uh, i did use uh, that platform quite a bit and you know that was very much designed with the, the touch screen in mind and i had a lot of issues with crashing and whatnot but with windows 10 here uh, you use it a lot more that than obviously the, than i have because i'm on the on the Mac platform, but for, for those who are kind of scared to kind of cross over, uh, talk some people off the ledge here if you can, Mike. Uh, let us know uh, what is good about Windows 10. It's been updated as refined. It runs really well. Like I said, if, if you just ignore the overlay that's been designed for Surface, you can essentially get it running like Windows 7. And I, and I just have the most simplest setup possible. I have, I, well, I use dual screens, but I have very few icons on my desktop. I do everything from the taskbar at the bottom. I mostly drag and drop files from <clears throat> folder to folder. And, and now my workplace recently made the switch. They were running Windows 7 forever. And we finally went through this major network overhaul where we finally installed Windows 10. But to... And I, and I get why they why they limited the options. It's they they're actually forcing us to use it the way Microsoft wants you to use mm. Windows 10, which is like this new get it get into the guts of like the whole new overlay operating system, and you're you're forced to do that because that's the way they've programmed the computers, yep. which I'm fine with. I understand. Like you know, at work, I'm not going to sit and tinker with my PC. It's there for a work function. But on the home level, if if that stuff turns you off. It's as simple as not pressing the Windows button. It has all the latest security protocols. Yep. It runs really smoothly. I have no problem running any type of app whatsoever. I've got it running beautifully. But 
it's because I ignore the other half, the elephant in the room of what I don't need. So I don't know. On one hand, yeah, if you're if you're an old school user like me, you'll you'll find some use out of it. But at the same time, I wonder if this operating system could just be even better and more mm-hmm. fluid if they would just stop focusing on the surface aspect, which they're not going to do because no. that's that's the way they want to go for. But like I said, if you're worried about upgrading to ten miles ahead of what Windows eight, the problems were fixed. You're you're not going to have a lot of issues. Just, just be aware that you can customize it to your liking. I'm hoping that at some point that they will go with what Apple did, basically where they went. They said, okay, you know, we, we have our, our desktop and our laptop operating system. Now we're going to do this mobile operating system, and we're going to just rewrite rate from scratch. I, I think that that's something that I think eventually Microsoft is going to have to, to try and do at least because this RT version of Windows just isn't cutting it. I mean, we looked at... To kind of rewind back to our earlier episodes, we saw the the Surface X. When you look at the actual technology and the hardware, it looks very, very impressive. But they decided to not run full-on Windows. They have this this Windows RT, and people are having major uh, issues with the reviewers didn't like it at all. The apps were running really slow, if at all. So I think at some point, they need to just kind of bite the bullet and rewrite a whole new um, mobile Windows operating system. Or if you're not going to do that, if you're stubborn about that, either run full on windows or just adopt android on the device and that's the problem joe is that they have too many options right now the surface x is running uh like you're saying uh nt you said and then of course you have the what was it the microsoft duo is going to be running android Android, yeah but then the neo is going to be running 10x yeah and you got this iterated version of windows 10 how many different platforms do we need and why can we have a symbiosis among all your devices? This is mm-hmm. what we've been getting on in previous episodes. If you know, this is where I got to tip my hat to Apple. It's unity across all the different unity. devices and all platforms, mm-hmm. one ring to rule them all. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Microsoft, it's just like operating system after operating system. This does this, but this doesn't do this. So how do these devices talk to each other? Just so much more confusion. I think Joe that, yeah, Windows is definitely not their focus going forward. And we've already heard this from Satya Nadella, the CEO, that they're looking at Microsoft's other strengths going to the future where Windows isn't necessarily their bread and butter anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, does it seem like they're kind of almost kind of going with this kind of browser approach, like almost like with Chrome OS where everything's going to be just like purely browser-based stuff? Is that the potential there? Well, that's what The Verge wants to believe, that the Microsoft Edge, which initially started as their new mobile browser, it's it's based off Chromium, which is what Chrome was built off of. That's going to be their next focus. Okay. Um, Sure. I I, I don't know. I I don't see a lot of differences between Chrome as to to why we need. I I just don't see how it's it's doing anything better or worse than Chrome. And in fact, I'll I'll give you one way that it's doing things worse is with the integration of NewsGuard, which mm. has been around, uh, which I had learned about about last January, actually. And I talked yeah. about this on my old podcast, London Rising, where NewsGuard is a third-party app that Microsoft has adopted into its Edge browser. And essentially, what its job is to do is to weed out, quote-unquote, fake news. So it takes all the major news sites from the, across the spectrum, across the internet, and assigns them a green rating, whether they're "Quote unquote truthful" as they see it, yep. or a red rating. Red rating, which you know would mean fake news. This means they engage in fake news. They've gotten it wrong many times, or they just put questionable uh, information about vaccines or what have you. I've made this argument 
until I'm blue in the face. Who gets to decide what's fake news and what's hate speech and all this stuff? So uh, it just it just bothers me when I when I see this kind of stuff, and especially when they start talking about what Satya Nadella and the guy from The Verge are talking about their their views towards ethics mm-hmm. in in artificial intelligence. Because this is the thing, right? Microsoft. Their new focus seems to be artificial intelligence, the cloud, right? Um, All this kind of stuff. Being like a service provider for the rest of the industry. We already see them starting to go cross-platform with competitors. For example, like we just said, they're using Android for their new Surface Duo phone that's coming out holiday season. On the Xbox side, we're starting to see Xbox games that were once exclusives going over to the Nintendo Switch. And now this new working relationship with Sony to work on cloud computing. Mm They, I think they see themselves as a service provider, but then getting back to ethics with artificial intelligence, when they start to say things like, oh, we need NewsGuard to make up for the mess that was the U.S. 2020 election, like, oh, here mm. we go again. Yeah. Here we go again. Oh. Just, 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 oh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know where their vision is right now. I, I think they want to pretend like they have one, and, and maybe this is going to come out in cloud computing, mm-hmm. but it, it, there doesn't seem to be any unification here. Yeah, and that worries me. Absolutely. Now, before we wrap up this topic, I, I think that uh, just to kind of briefly mention a couple of other uh, major uh, "quote unquote" operating systems that people use on desktop and laptops. And I, I think one definitely worth mentioning is is Chrome OS. Um, I, know, I know a lot of people uh, are use that as well, and I know a lot of schools, uh, especially down in the U.S., use. Chromebooks and whatnot, and uh, it's uh, something that just it ties into all the kind of the, the Google services. I know that uh, um, schools use it to kind of do assignments, and it's very easy for uh, to tie into the accounts with the students and the teachers. Um, outside of that, when it comes to content creation, especially for people like us and whatnot, Chrome uh, OS is essentially useless because you can't install uh, a lot of content creation apps on that. So it's purely for content consumption for the most part. So it's not something that I've been very big on. I've used it a little bit and that's uh, definitely not my cup of tea. And uh, another one definitely wor- wor- worth mentioning. I don't think you've ever uh, used this. I-, I had a very, very brief uh, run with this. And of course that is uh, Linux. Um, I know there are some people out there that use it. Uh, I don't think it's really, it's not something I can really recommend for the, the average kind of consumer or person out there. Uh, it's very intimidating because uh, you're almost kind of installing this uh, the software, this operating system on something that it maybe necessarily wasn't intended for. And you can run into some compatibility issues. And it's just, it, it's a very daunting, very uh, weird kind of thing to kind of go through. It's, it's something that I, I tried very briefly a long time ago, and I'm sure it's probably gotten better over time. But it's one of those ones that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And um, yeah, it, it's kind of a, it's always been that third kind of one just sitting there that people just kind of ignore. Yeah, I'd say from an enterprise level, I I think at this point, I, I'm not too concerned about Windows 10 becoming mass adopted across enterprise. Yeah. Like I said, they found ways to mimic what people liked about it and why people mm-hmm. held on to Windows 7 for so long because of its simplicity, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it didn't have all these extra bells and whistles you didn't need. And like I said, those bells and whistles are still there, but you can easily turn them off. I don't remember the last time I pressed mm-hmm. that Windows button to turn on that overlay and I don't miss it. I, I, yeah. I literally, I, I forget that I'm using Windows 10 at some points. And, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's really well updated. It's secure, yeah. runs smoothly. So... Yeah, you know, there's a lot of hype around Windows 7 and what happens next. Well, who cares? You know, Windows 10 is just fine. Hey, we had the same thing when uh, they stopped doing support for Windows XP. I know there was a big uh, outcry and uh, rage for that. And, you know, people got over that relatively quickly. And yet too, they, so. c- they continued to support that even after their end date. 
So yeah, that's saying. So yeah, okay, fine. One. They have this official end date. Yeah. But even then, you can still pay a premium to keep your keep news yep. updates coming. For example, um, let's say you want to keep Windows Seven going past the end date. It's going to be twenty five dollars a machine on the on the yeah. uh, on the enterprise level, mm-hmm. and then fifty dollars a machine this year if you've got Windows Seven Pro. And then it's just going to keep doubling every single year after that. So. It's still there. Mm-hmm. I think that they just want to kind of get people out of that mentality and, and, and get that free free download in right now. For sure. Yeah, it's something that we're going to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm really kind of curious to see how Windows can evolve over time because uh, in my humble opinion, at least I, th- I think it's kind of fallen behind uh, Mac OS uh, over on the, on the Apple side. You know, just when it comes to um, things syncing up and things kind of working in... Uh, in alongside the, op- the the mobile operating system it's kind of very much like a seamless kind of experience i mean i can literally be browsing on my, my phone and walk into my computer and literally pick up right where i've left off you know just just, just little stuff like that that makes the kind of things easier being able to unlock with your watch i know that it's kind of a, a luxury little kind of a, a show-off kind of a thing but just the, the little stuff like that and just the fact that everything's kind of easily accessible there isn't this you know this menu thing that uh, where they can put the ads in and all that kind of stuff you can really kind of tweak your privacy settings or just it, it, it's it's, um, it's something that, and two, that it's it's free going forward as well. I think that that's something that they, when, on the Windows side of things, they definitely need to adopt that business model. Yeah, and I think as cool as, you know, as cool as a concept is, for example, the Surface Duo is with a double screen hinge cell phone yeah. that's running Android and this new, well, no, it's not running Windows 10X. 10X is going to be run on the foldables. It's easy to get confused because right? there's so many different... And that's why I'm so, yeah. it's so confusing. So that's the problem. Yeah. It's like, no matter no matter how good Windows is, there's just no unification. So why even bothering to put out these portable devices when they're not even going to sync together with whatever else you're doing in your home? People are already spoiled off of the whole Apple Life concept, Mm -hmm. and you guys are straying. Microsoft seems to be straying further and further away from that concept of simplicity, which is what defined Windows 7, which was what made them great in the first place. And the fact is that I have to fool myself into thinking that I'm using Windows 7 by forgetting that half the functionality even exists. It's just wasted resources to me. And so. just and just briefly too, you know, even with the the Xbox uh, Series X, I mean, as cool as interesting and that looks, I mean, that philosophy is almost kind of carried over to their game the, to, to their gaming thing. Like right now, they're yeah. making a big gamble with the Xbox. Yep, and that, and then these other two ones, kind of alongside of it, there's there's a strong potential there for some fragmentation, and for some of these developers, I mean, are they going to support all three, or is, is it just going to be certain ones? Uh, we run into the, almost kind of the similar kind of issue. This might be a bit of a roundabout way to kind of go about this, but like even when in the when I used to do a lot of PC gaming, where you had you know this computer and you always had to kind of upgrade it, but you didn't necessarily know if you're going to be able to run certain things. This could potentially be an issue too if you buy, say, kind of the uh, the mid range kind of new Xbox. What games are you going to be able to play, and which ones aren't you going to be able to play? Is, or is that going to be a thing? Or do they have to support all three? There's just, there's so many unknowns with this thing, and my original excitement is kind of becoming concerned a little bit with this. So, And there's something very telling with the younger generation I'm starting to see as a trend now, just from seeing mm-hmm. like the way younger gamers like to play their games. They're not like us, Joe. They're not of the whole old school ilk of have the big screen couch, drink in your hand and have like the theater experience. 
they like the small screens, Joe. Uh-huh. They, they like I, I know people that are literally starting to downgrade the size of their screens because they they prefer to sit closer to it. It's more intuitive. Mm-hmm. It's it's quicker. So, for Microsoft to for like if if the rumors are true, that potentially Microsoft's going to come out with a way beefier machine than the PS5, but Supposedly. also that it's going to cost a lot more. It's not going to have as many exclusive IPs, and we already know that for until 2021, that there are going to be no first-party exclusives that you can't play on any other generation of Xbox. Mm-hmm. When you're starting to get close to paying PC prices for a console, yeah, it's not a PC. You can't upgrade the graphics card. You can't upgrade mm-hmm. anything on it. So you're, 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 it's like, who are you competing with at this point? Yeah. I, I, I'm not writing them up. This is all just rumors and speculation. Yep. But I think Sony may be taking a few hits on teraflops to get it to that magic $400 US price point. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I don't think these younger generations are going to care about as much about the power race as we traditionally did, where they just, it's the games, man. It's all about the games. And, and what you were just talking about with the younger generation, well, this actually segues and ties very nicely kind of into our next topic here about uh, video games and how you can make the very strong argument that that games are a lot easier now than they kind of used to be, especially during uh, the, the the heyday uh, with us here. And it's 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 very interesting when you uh, when I especially for my like from from specifically for myself when I talk to some younger people about games, it's it's all about playing these online games like Fortnite and, and Call of Duty. And then when you even kind of mention just the, the concept or the idea of like a single player story game, they immediately lose interest. It's all about Right now, right now, instant stuff. The, the anything that requires a lot of of time and energy kind of invested, they're they're almost kind of out of it. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm starting to see that too. Where they 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 don't really gravitate towards the single player games as much as we uh-huh. traditionally did. Um, I don't know. What what are your what are your theories on that? Why why is that so attractive? One thing. Before that, though, one thing I think that has really, really changed in this conversation, I think this is a really important point here, is that games used to be very, very difficult. And it used to be a lot more of where it was it was something really special, something you kind of brag about, where that you were able to start a game and then to finish it. Whereas now, I would say the majority of games out there can be started and completed by most people. I mean, there are, there are some exceptions. But the, to me, that's been the big kind of shift of, of where there's these older school kind of games that were very, very difficult. And there's some people that, that still, I mean, there's some, some that I was never able to finish. Whereas now these games are so accessible and arguably almost kind of too easy that pretty much anybody with any kind of gaming skill whatsoever can complete these games. So that, that, that being able to brag kind of factor is almost kind of gone. There's different ways of bragging now, but I think uh, if you want to look at the real shift with the way games used to be, an example for the NA, the NES era, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's the the ones that people always list off, like Ninja Gaiden, for example, one yep. of the most notoriously difficult games in existence. Yep. I, I've made it actually to the final boss, so it's actually not that bad. Like it's not as bad <laughs> as people say it is. Yep. But anyway, here's the thing. There's a few factors contributing to that. Number one, we've evolved mm-hmm. in terms of game mechanics, yep. in terms of polishing games and what works and what doesn't work mm-hmm. we've evolved tenfold since that era right whereas when you actually go back and look at some of these games were they <clears> difficult <throat> because they were programmed that way or because they were because they weren't programmed very well and i'm not going to say that for example yeah. ninja gate ninja gaiden's a wonderfully programmed game mm-hmm. with ninja gaiden you can beat that game if you know what you're doing probably in under two hours yeah. so when 
hey, arguably you're paying more for video games back than you are now with inflation. Mm-hmm. Games were way more expensive than I'll give you an example. Street Fighter 2. Yeah. When that came out on Super Nintendo back in 1991, that was $110 Canadian in 1991. When you mm-hmm. adjust that for inflation, we're talking what, 200 bucks? Yep, basically. For your average video game. Yep. You only got, well, I only got a video game maybe once or twice a year on my mm-hmm. birthday and Christmas because they were so expensive. Yep. And because also games were smaller, memory was shorter, you had to inflate these games somehow. So yep. how do you do that? You make them brutal. Mm-hmm. You make so that when you die, you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the level. You don't put unlimited continues. You put maybe like two continues, right? Yeah. There were ways to artificially make that game a lot longer to make up for the fact that it was very short when you actually think about it. And I mean, there are some recent examples of uh, of difficult games too. I mean, two that instantly come to mind are you know like Super Meat Boy and uh, I want to be a, the Boshy, and then just the games that are just essentially Dark Souls, uh, kind of a mind fuck, essentially, you know, for lack of a better term, to where it just it's mind-numbingly hard. But I mean, th- these games are still kind of programmed well. You made a very good point there that some of these older games, it's almost kind of on purpose making it difficult to because these games are relatively short and that's another thing that has changed too that previously a lot of games were relatively short so they had to beef up the difficulty to to make it seem longer or more difficult than it really was whereas games now i mean we have some games that you know we have we see anything ranging from six to into the hundreds of hours with some of these games like the witcher and you know what cyberpunk will be uh Briefly on that, they they actually this is one that I'm particularly disappointed about, but still optimistic. It, it originally we were looking at a late April uh, launch, and it's been pushed all the way to late September, which I'm a little pissed at this off point, about. Push it till November because <laughs> you might as well just make an, an ultimate PS5 Xbox launch title. It just it doesn't uh, it just do it like this, yeah. what's the, what's another two months? Yeah, as long but as anyway. they, as long as they still make a, a version for uh, for the, the current consoles. Of course they will. Course <laughs> so they will. so hopefully, Absolutely. but uh, like I said, on, on a bit of a tangent, I, I know um, that'll end up being a good thing. They want to rush out something uh, that's going to be bad. Here's the thing. I mean, we we've evolved a lot in in terms of video game design, like Absolutely. where we can clearly delineate what makes a hard game and what doesn't. Number one, we have multiple difficulty levels on pretty much any game you play now. There's always a normal mode, a hard mode, a challenging mode, yep. and there are incentives for playing these harder modes, right? You get more trophies, you get more mm-hmm. rewards for being these, these levels. We also, like you were mentioning, we have specific genres now for hardcore players because we've evolved that much. Like we have no. the Souls-like genre yeah. for people who like that old school hardcore get killed and have to start <laughs> way back from this previous point. Yeah. That's old school, right? Yep. You've got what you were mentioning, like 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 twitchy platformers like Super Meat Boy yeah. or roguelikes or, or a brand new genre where everything's yeah. perceived generated and you don't know what to expect next Mm -hmm. so when people argue that games are easier now that's i don't know about that one that that games were difficult back then for different reasons right now i will say that there's definitely a lot of more hand holding that happens Mm -hmm. in games now i'm not going to totally say that games aren't dumbed down like there are some games that just are yeah you know there's they they do hold your hand a lot, and I yeah. think the the one thing about those old games, Joe, is that there was a bet more of a sense of accomplishment when you finally beat that damn game. When you yeah. like after months of having to start over again, you finally <laughs> beat the yeah. final boss of Zelda. It's like oh my god, you're like rocking around your house like a champion. Yeah. Whereas I think now with with things getting a little easier and all these tutorials and cheat codes and level skips, 
yeah, maybe maybe you're kind of losing that sense of accomplishment. And I think another thing that uh, can't forget to make mention of too, when it comes to difficulty, I think this definitely ties into it, is the, the whole pay to win kind of things and there are some mm. games that are definitely guilty of this and this is something that uh, is becoming very prevalent something i was very concerned about for a long time and it has creeped its way into a lot of triple a games i'm talking about the microtransactions and yeah it's become a commonplace, especially in the sports games and some of these uh shooters and whatnot the those microtransactions the whole idea that if you want to pay some more money that you'll be better and you can kind of do better at these games essentially so what the kind of the whole pitch is yeah that's the thing it's 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 like that whole mentality is kind of setting you up to fail too it's like yeah. if you can't do it on your own if you can just pay to win well that how's that how's yeah. going to help you in other aspects of your life it's funny you mentioned that too because i just saw this <laughs> on Eurogamer the other day january 18th nhs chief says loot boxes are quote setting kids up for addiction to gambling mm -hmm. so th this is like a, ba a big yeah. deal right now you're talking about like loot boxes pay to win yep. this is going to be this is going to be like a hot bot button topic going forward and it's caused a lot of controversy in the industry even in Obviously. nba 2k20 uh 2k probably one of their premier uh, that's the kind of their flagship game they even managed to sneak that into there and that whole thing like it it, it really it actually looks like a casino slot machine and essentially you're, you're pulling that lever uh to get uh, loot boxes and stuff like that just oh the fact that it snuck into the, the these are our triple a big high profile games is sickening yeah i hear complaints about that a lot especially with with ultimate team and all these these like yeah people gaming these sports games and, and mm -hmm. who, who put endless amounts of hours into becoming unbeatable online. No. Who knows? Maybe that'll have the opposite effect where like you were saying before, you know, well, these younger generations seem to be straying away from single player games and more gravitating towards like stuff like Fortnite and mm -hmm. Madden NHL. Well, and maybe, maybe it just gets so out of control at some point that, you know, people actually start to go back towards a single player experience. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see with the, the younger uh, generation. Uh, definitely, the the big popular one are, are these these online multiplayer games. It, it's something that just speaking briefly on multiplayer. Now, this is something that you and I approached as a topic uh, years ago. Now, uh, the idea that that whole aspect has very much changed, where we've gone to you know playing against each other with whether it be like the old NHL games or whatnot, sitting on the couch next to the person, to now you know we're playing with uh, all these people who for the most part we don't even personally know so it, it, that's another thing that's, that's really kind of a of change and um i would say you know the the whole idea of the couch co-op thing is, is still kind of a thing but it, it's a very much shifted to now we're playing online you know and then that can tie into the whole social aspect too of the some of these guys that are and girls that are just in the, that that's that's their whole kind of social interaction so the, the, there's some negative aspects to uh, to that whole thing as well. But I think the, the couch co-op will never truly go away. I hope I not. Think it, I in hope some not. ways, it's making a resurgence. You're seeing a lot more co-op style, co style games coming out now. And especially, I remember there were some critiques. Remember when we were talking about the Alienware Switch-like computer that's yep. a concept right now? And there was a bit of critique over the fact that it doesn't seem to be designed for couch co-op play like the Switch is, where, where mm. you can, for example, with the Switch, it has two controllers that clip to the sides. You can take off those yep. controllers, and then you have, you have two people individually using those controllers to play on the same TV. So, And, and it seems to be a hit. So I, I it, it's good. Cause I, I, I don't know, man. There's just nothing like when we used to, like you said, like we used to sit on the couch together, play NHL hockey versus yep. just, you know, being in that faceless online lobby. For <laughs> me, it's just not the same. You don't get the same kind of reaction and, and 
experience there. And that's something that uh, I will give Nintendo uh, a, a pat on the back and, and, uh, and kind of an attaboy on that. They've really, I think, more than any other gaming uh, company out there, have kind of kept that whole idea. A lot of their, their games uh, very much, uh, even just the, the design of their hardware, very much encourages that local co-op play, whether it be Mario Kart, whether it be... Uh, you know, uh, Smash Brothers, and a, a lot of their games uh, are best kind of experience with actual people right there playing on the same system. Definitely, definitely. And like I said, they, their design philosophies are starting to affect the way the rest of the in-game industry yep. looks at their devices, so that's it's a good thing. Very much a good thing. And, uh, yeah, I will give Nintendo credit uh, when it's deserved, and they, they keep that alive, so I, I'll give them my props that absolutely now for our tech tip of the week that this is something that uh, is also kind of gaming related but not, it's not just limited to that and this is something that uh comes up actually quite often because people know that uh, i'm somebody that kind of follows technology and is somewhat knowledgeable and i get this kind of question all this time you know especially with with consoles hey uh, i bought this this brand new system and i put it in my entertainment center and two months later it, it overcooked it, it, it fried and this is a, a, a pretty common common thing mike have you run into this quite a bit I ran into this from a gaming perspective when the PS3 launched. Mm -hmm. Remember that old fat 60 gig, which I still have in my closet. Unfortunately, it doesn't work <laughs> anymore. And if it did work, it'd be worth quite a bit of money because, of course, it was the only model that would play PS2. Yep. But anyway, because that thing was such a horse, it was just so badly designed that it had such a terrible cooling system that if dust got into it, it, the airflow wasn't very good, so the dust would literally fuse onto the motherboard, yeah. and there's no way of repairing that. So for all, yeah. I just want to do this as an aside. For all you people spending an arm and a leg for a fat, quote unquote, fat 60 gig PS3, no. you're wasting your money. That thing was designed to fail. No. If you try to fix it, it will fail again. No. Go buy a PS2. If you want to play PS2 games, yeah. stop wasting multiple hundreds of dollars on these things that were designed to fail. So yes, that was one of my experiences with, with overheating. Uh, yeah. And, and I tried everything. To tr I, I had fans blowing against it. Yeah. Nothing worked. Well, you had briefly mentioned just on a brief tangent here, uh, the PS2, we had mentioned before that if you can find one that slim, uh, basically that last generation of the, the PS2, that slim model, if you have some PlayStation two games and you want to be able to play them, pick that up. I mean, that system is just, uh, it's it's almost the perfect system. I think it's gonna be working for a long time. That and thing can... will outlast cockroaches. Man. Oh yeah, it's built forever. Absolutely. There was one here at uh, our, our, our local microplay here, and I mean you can buy one for like fifty bucks now. So uh, if you find one of those, pick one that pick one of those up. I think it's definitely worthwhile. Then, uh, like you said, kind of risking uh, the backwards compatibility thing and overspending. Now, when it comes to these newer consoles, I mean just kind of any. A gaming console probably the biggest piece of advice that i can give to these things to avoid you know these overheating and in these kind of heat and cooling issues is displacement of this stuff for just don't place it in an enclosed space to where it, it you would think this would be something that's common sense mike but i mean obviously it's not because it still happens quite a bit just put this thing in a place to where air can get at it that, that's the, the really the simplest way i can kind of put this 
and try to avoid dust and debris really like it's the whole idea if you if you for example if you're a smoker yeah. and you smoke in your place you're gonna have to obviously put a lot more regular maintenance into your into your console it yeah. was interesting too because i at the last minute i threw in a video here called ps4 pro external cooling fan does it run cooler and i mm-hmm. thought this was eye-opening because i've never bought one of these devices and i always yeah. had a gut feeling to say eh, do i really need this so this is referring to for example a device a cooling fan you can put on the back of your ps4 pro and i'm sure these are available for xboxes or what have you mm-hmm. when he actually did the test barely any difference man seriously yeah. at the end of the day it's really just about keeping your console clean and like you're saying it trying to keep it in a space to allow for airflow all these extra devices that claim to cool your console waste of money that was a big thing. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, during the Xbox 360 generation. I mean, there were mm-hmm. some companies that uh, well, they didn't necessarily specialize in that kind of thing, but the, that was a big part of their business is uh, building these external coolers that you essentially you know clamp onto the system. And uh, yeah, I always had a feeling that those kind of were just a kind of a cash grab, capitalizing on the faulty hardware of the actual systems. So yeah, it, for, if it's not built well, there's nothing you can do about it. Now, when it comes to kind of if you do run into some dust and some uh, dirt issues, again, this is something we brought up before, and I want to really bring this up with this too because you don't want to destroy you know, these expensive consoles. If you're going to use one of these spray can duster things, people, please unplug and power down your devices. Otherwise, you have a potential blowtorch on your hands here. Just unplug this shit and do it properly. Don't spray any kind of foreign substance into a running system of any kind, whether it's a game console, whether it's a computer, whether it's a DVD player or what have you, just make sure that it's powered off. Otherwise, (laughs) I mean, you're rolling the dice with this stuff. Mm -hmm. Did you get a chance to check out that Linus tech tips video? I told you where I shared it says why you shouldn't water cool your PC. I thought that was interesting because there's a lot of talk about water cooling methods now. And I thought this was kind of interesting. This is something I don't know much about. This is one that I actually didn't get a a chance to look at, unfortunately. Well, just briefly. So remember how we were talking about that? What was it? The, um, that origin PC we were talking about last week that had all the video game consoles and they were all water cooled. Right. So now there's this debate, you know, what's better for your, PC is it water cooling mm-hmm. or is it a traditional heat sink fan? Yeah. So Linus Tech Tips, they decided to do a whole bunch of experiments and they found that overall uh, a, a traditional heat sink fan is going to keep your PC the coolest mm-hmm. and have the lowest level of noise. Whereas mm-hmm. water cooling it's not necessarily unusable. There, there's yeah. certain reasons you'd want to have this. And I would say it has more to do with, for example, okay, what, sometimes when you turn on your PC and you and you and there's like quite of like a like a roller coaster of noise because yeah. like of different variations of fan, it's more consistent mm-hmm. over a long period of times with with water cooling because the way I guess the way the science is that because there's a greater thermal mass than heat sink, meaning more consistent performance along, yeah. over the long term. The other thing is that has. 12 points of contact versus two on a fan, which means that if you're somebody who likes to travel with your PC a lot, especially mm-hmm. if you like to go to LAN parties, this might be better for you because there's less weight yep. hanging, which can which can do less damage mm-hmm. to your motherboard. But overall, a traditional fan is really what you want to go for. And the other thing people want to know about is when you traditionally buy a PC in store, they're usually going to put the most budget fan in the back Mm -hmm. that thing is basically garbage so you you actually want to take the time to get a proper fan that's going to overall cool your computer 
and you know regular maintenance you want to at least once or twice a week be cracking that thing open yep. turn it off like you're saying get in there with a duster because you don't want dust getting glued to the motherboard because at that mm-hmm. point you're screwed now, to look at this from an Apple perspective, I, I'm glad that I kind of thought of this because I think this is very important. And I think uh, something that people wrongly kind of criticize Apple for is to, oh, they're just putting uh, expensive stuff into their stuff for just for the sake of it. And I'm talking with a lot of their products where they use aluminum. Now, when it comes to heat, this is something, if you're not knowledgeable about this, I'll kind of let you let you know why they're able to get a lot of their devices, like especially some of their MacBooks and some of the Macs, how they're able to get some some them so thin especially with the laptops a lot of the new ones have no fan of any kind in them whatsoever uh, they just they, they have a really good heat sink and with the aluminum you have the added benefit to essentially your whole system your whole laptop is one big giant heat sink it, it, aluminum dissipates heat extremely well and they don't need to do all this kind of uh, weird water cooler uh, cooling stuff what they've done when they do need to use a fan is they uh They've gotten very clever with the design of the fans, and, and the, the blades usually are typically kind of all the same. Uh, they go with an asymmetrical kind of design. What that does is it kind of creates some sound confusion there so that uh, it, it's the, the fans run very, very quietly when they do have to run a fan. That reminds me of something else that they brought up too. So the other reason that you have to be careful with water cooling devices is that it's it's a lot harder to know when things go wrong mm-hmm. with a fan. You have a clear visual. You can yep. look at it and say, Oh my God, the fan's not running. It's not <laughs> moving around. Whereas yep. with a water cooler, you're going to need something connected to an app or, or an operating mm-hmm. system. That's going to tell you, Oh, there's been some failure. Now you got to replace the whole device, right? You can't just yep. tinker with it. So you really got to know what you're doing with this stuff. Like I said, there, there are definitely performance benefits to water cooling, yeah. but there's also a lot of hype around it. Sometimes the old methods aren't necessarily the worst. Yep. And what we're seeing, you know, back briefly on uh, the Apple stuff, I mean, that's something that's, that's, that's a move that kind of influenced the whole industry. I mean, for a long time, a lot of, uh, especially, you well, know, yeah, the, the Windows laptop specifically, these laptops, even just up until recently, were really, really thick. They they had to because of just of the, the the what they're using to manufacture. I mean, you're looking at hard plastics and whatnot. They're just not able to go thin because you need to really kind of cool th- these things down. There just isn't the space, and plastic doesn't really hold up to heat all that well. So we're we're seeing once Apple went to that all that aluminum kind of unibody kind of construction, very very soon after, every manufacturer kind of followed suit there. So you don't see too many of those big, chunky plastic laptops anymore just because, you know, we can make this stuff a lot more robust now. Absolutely. And I just thought, oh, one more thing I thought that was humorous, too. So there was another video I shared on this this run, and you guys mm-hmm. can check this out. And I'm not I, – I was. it's one of those things where I just scared because I, 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 I laughed a little bit when I saw it, and I'm a little yeah. skeptical. So the whole idea is what happens <clears throat> if you live in somewhere like California, for mm-hmm. example, where it's – always hot right and yep. you know what it's like to go through like a heat wave in the summer joe where you're kind of sweat, sweating both ways like not only because it's hot <laughs> but oh my god is my computer going to survive this heat wave right so this was jay's two cents on youtube and you can mm-hmm. find this video called help keep your pc cool this summer with these simple methods and this has close to eight hundred thousand views yep. thirty thousand likes a thousand dislikes this guy brought literally a flat fan from from Target (laughs) and opened up the chassis of his PC, had it completely exposed and put the fan literally right next to it. (laughs) And he said, you could put some, some mesh tape over the front to control the dust. 
I don't know, man. I just it's it's a nice idea, but I can just see that going totally disastrous. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, on many different levels, I mean, just when you uh, you hand something like that to somebody who is slightly less intelligent, I mean, yeah, the stupidity in the economy just writes itself, folks. It was like that one video we saw the one day where it's like, oh, oh clean out dust from your computer with a vacuum cleaner. I'm like, don't do that. Are you serious? <laughs> Don't now? do that. Talk about fake news. Oh Jesus. man, brutal, brutal, brutal stuff. But yeah, this is another one of those things. I think uh, if you just exercise some common sense, uh, that'll they'll take you quite far. Uh, and again, just don't keep these things in enclosed areas. And, and you know, outside of computers and gaming consoles, uh, that also applies to your your wireless uh, router and modems now. Because I mean, virtually everybody has those. Don't put those in enclosed spaces either because you can run into the same issue uh, of overheating issues. Put those in a nice wide open area at about waist to chest height and you'll be good. There you go. Okay. So I don't know if we have really kind of any breaking news uh, in this uh, uh, in this week of technology. I mean, uh, we're getting close to... Uh, we'll wait and see. I mean, uh, the big thing that I'm kind of looking for is uh, this PS5 kind of reveal. I know that it's been the, the talk and it's been the speculation and it's, it's getting to like the ridiculous point. I'm really excited to see soon how that's going to unfold just to see what this thing looks like. We're going to see something, I think, in the next few weeks. I think there's a yep. PlayStation Experience event coming up in yep. mid to late February. Yep. It seems about about the right time to do this. Yep. So we, we said that Sony has their own... Are, oh, their own curated yep. conferences like Nintendo's doing now, yep. like Apple does, like Microsoft does. They're not going to unveil something at CES where it's just every Joe Blow that's there to see, you know, yep. consumer home appliances and cars where video games aren't the focus there anymore. <laughs> yep. I, I definitely see something coming out. I think, yep. like you said, them coming out at CES and revealing the logo is a bit of a troll, just have some yep. fun with the rumor mills. But I think if they wait any longer now, it might be seen as a, as a sign of weakness, yeah. especially with the remote flying that the PS5 is going to be significantly less powerful than the Xbox. I think it's just time, kind of time to come out with guns blazing. But a lot of people are saying, oh, well, is, is Sony just maybe worried to come out now that they're afraid of the Xbox? Yeah. I, I don't see it that way. No. I, it's all about the games at the end of the day. They've, they've got the IPs yep. to back it up. They've, they've got sure. some kind of plan, but... Who knows? We'll see. Maybe they'll botch it. Maybe they get arrogant like they did at the end of the PS2 generation, thinking <sighs> they can't fail and almost destroyed themselves with that botched <laughs> PS3 launch that they thankfully uh, recouped about around, I'd say, 2009 and 10. It was then things started to finally yeah. turn around for PlayStation. But those yeah. were, man, being a PlayStation fan around 2006 to right? 2008 was a rough time. It was a real yeah. rough time. We, I thought that was the. I thought that was it. And the other thing that I've been seeing uh, roving around uh, this too that ties into it is a lot of stuff about people saying that uh, that E3 is going to essentially be worthless uh, this year. So Sony skipping it. Yeah, that's it. It's second time in a row. Yeah. So so no Sony, no Nintendo. Uh, yeah, there's not going to be much there. So but we'll still have Ubisoft and what's her face? Uh, yes, uh, Aisha Tyler. Oh God. So we'll see. I mean, it's obviously something that we're still going to cover. I mean, I still like to watch E3. Um, you know, does it get to WWE levels of bad? We're just going to have to wait and see if it does. I think it already has. And, uh, it's we'll, already gotten embarrassing <laughs> at this point. They're overbooking this shit, Mike. They're overbooking this stuff. It's just, it's just become just music and, mm-hmm. and like putting in orchestras and, and talking yeah. about DLC. Like who, who cares? Like the right. wow factor is just so gone. And like, yeah. I, I've, nothing is more crushingly boring than watching the EA conference now, uh-huh. or even Bethesda's getting to that level. 
just curate your own stuff. We we don't need this anymore. Absolutely. Seriously. Yep. But you, you look at and, you know you look at someone who's going to be doing it now. Nintendo does it very successfully. Apple does it very very successfully. Even Microsoft is doing it now. That's definitely the trend. And just I think you're more kind of those curated kind of experiences are just better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, in terms of other breaking news, there, there, there's definitely some interesting stuff mm-hmm. going on with uh, surveillance. So you obviously shared something with me. We can maybe get into this in a future episode, but yes. just touch upon this. Uh, so you shared something about Apple with me today. Yeah, they're going to be essentially. There's a couple things kind of going with this. Is that uh, there's a, a beta uh, update to iOS 13.3.1, I believe it's called, and uh, it's going to basically allow you to really kind of tweak your privacy settings all the way to the point to where you're essentially totally disabling any kind of location tracking, which is very interesting. And alongside with that too, there is a <laughs> there's a rumor that basically they're going to be looking at doing kind of a pro iOS version, which which has me kind of intrigued, especially maybe for like the, the iPad platform, if they can you know make that more uh, around, uh, more capable for content creation and whatnot. So I'll be keeping uh, track of that and I'll, I'll let you guys know when anything comes of that, if there's any truth to it whatsoever. Yeah, the only thing is when you read this article, it becomes the whole offer too good to refuse. So yes, maybe you can just definitely disable location tracking. Mm-hmm. But then we start getting into stuff like what, what's it called? The the I'm just is this new wide ultra wideband, right? Mm-hmm. So all this new technology that's supposed to let you discover all these other devices. Yeah, unfortunately, you're not going to get all the full functionality of your phone. A lot of stuff's not going to be working anymore. So mm-hmm. yes. You can definitely try to take yourself off the grid, but then you're going to be, of course, missing out on all the fun, right? Yeah. So there's there's always a give and take, we'll and it's not just Apple that you can definitely tell that they're responding to the political pressure because there's yeah. mounting pressure from both sides of the political spectrum. We've talked that at at length about conservatives getting getting up in arms about censorship. Yeah. Now you got the Democrats going hard against uh, like for example now joe biden Mm -hmm. i was telling you this other day he's saying that if he's elected he's going to be completely repealing section 230 like that's it like i told you i called it last (laughs) like when we were talking about ross lejeunesse that these democrats want to take over the internet so anyway in line with what you're saying so now apple's starting to say okay well maybe we can start putting in some privacy controls google's doing this too Google, this just came out on MSN.com. When was this? Uh, not too long ago. That yeah. Google Chrome will now end support for third-party cookies that track you. So hmm. is it just a matter of, well, we yeah. just put it into something else? Is it? Does it ever truly go away? Because, that, you know. That's screwing over a lot of stuff on uh, on the web, too. I mean, there's a lot of these uh, sites and whatnot that really kind of rely on that. It's so. going to kill smaller advertisers, yes. The big guys are going to be able to survive this, yeah. right? Because they've got other means of getting out to their targeted audience. But, yes, smaller platforms that require digital advertising yeah. are, are probably going to get edged out. And th- this could potentially, maybe I'm kind of overthinking or overseeing this kind of thing. Could we see another, you know, big kind of tech crash uh, as a result of this? I mean, uh, you know, not too long ago, I mean... Uh, when I was in my, my college days, I mean, a lot of these kind of internet companies went, you know, right in the, right in the shitter. All uh, the dot-com. Yeah, all, all the, the dot-com right? kind of stuff, all that kind of crashed. Something like this, you know, maybe, again, like maybe I'm overthinking, but you know, this could trigger a lot of companies to just say, well, you know, if we can't gather all this information and, and data about uh, our users, uh, we don't have any reason to exist. 
Or and we like have I to said, find some other way. Mounting political pressure from yeah. both sides, especially with the government trying to extend their overreach and and <sighs> dictate how these companies do business. But at the same time, these companies are have have just gone too yeah. big beyond their bridges mm-hmm. and because they're yes they are private companies but they're also public squares where most of us get our information so you can you even treat them like private companies and give them all those yeah. those privileges anymore it's such a messed up situation all i would say is if you're an investor me personally i would kind of stay far from 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 tech stocks right now that's <laughs> there's just the, the waters are too muddy yeah. and and this bubble is going to burst at some point. This bubble, this agree. market bubble should have burst a long time ago. And yeah, I mean, I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of flux going on with big tech where there's a lot of uncertainty as to the future of Google right now with all of the internal troubles they're having that we talked about a few episodes yeah. ago, possible antitrust stuff that's going to hit everybody, not just Google. It's going to hit Apple. It's going to hit everybody. So we're going to have some very total int- crash. Yeah, I don't know. That'd but, be something, but man. A big reorg, and yeah. I've been calling. And I think the more my opinion starts to evolve around this whole Section Two Thirty stuff and where the future lies, more and more my heart says it's time to break up these companies. I said this the yeah. other day. Yep. It's not. It's not a shot in the dark to say that at some point Google's going to lose YouTube, and Facebook's going to lose Instagram, and I think that has to happen. We've got to take some power away from these monoliths. Absolutely. I, I, I don't think I, I could disagree with you on that. And uh, yeah, when all that kind of stuff happens, uh, it's going to give us stuff to talk about as well. So uh, oh, regardless, yeah, lots of stuff to come up. this is going to be a big year. It is going to be a big year. Big year. Yep. And I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I'm gonna, I'll be optimistic kind of go into it, you know, just back briefly on E3. I, I hope that, you know, they can at least pull up something that maybe will be entertaining or some big reveals. I think maybe... Again, again, I don't really want to speculate too much, but I'm hoping maybe like a Grand Theft Auto 6 reveal or something could kind of save the show or, or some big significant that holy shit moment. Uh, hopefully we can at least get one of those this year to kind of, uh, you know, make it uh, to where it's not just a shit show. Yeah, because you know what? At the end of the day, I don't I may laugh at E3 because I'm yeah. frustrated with how how crappy it's become yeah. but at the end of the day i still miss it like that yep. the anticipation of us all getting together for one event we're all watching it together where My, now everything yeah. in our life is becoming hyper individualized yeah. now it's 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 it, and we're going to talk about this we're, this is going to be one of the topics we probably cover in the final segment too yeah. it's just everything is tailor made where we don't have these shared experiences anymore we're starting yeah. to lose them where that's one thing i do miss about e3 we had this one big event like the super bowl of gaming where we all talked about the stories the next day and now it's sony pulling out yeah. and nintendo pulling out what what's left to talk about mm-hmm. yep uh yeah it'll be very interesting and and uh, yeah, with E3, I mean, just, you know, back in our YouTube days, I know at least, you know, the, the one E3, I mean, it was literally, like you had just said, you know, we were both watching at the same time and kind of reacting and, and, and talking back and forth. It was exciting. It was fun to watch. And uh, can they bring something back like that with E3? I don't know. I'm uh, I'm skeptical, but uh, I always remain somewhat optimistic that uh, something could kind of happen to, to make this into the really cool thing that E3 used to be. 
so we'll see. Having said that, you had uh, made mention here. We're going to take a brief break here, Mike, and we're going to come back with our final bite segment. I think this is going to be very, very interesting this week. Uh, we're going to have a special guest in the form of Rick Vickery from the Hidden Mercs Processing Podcast to talk about sex robots. And who knows, at some point, uh, I had talked earlier today with recording Turnbuckle Talk, uh, how we're going to approach this whole thing and then talking to Jargo. Are we going to find a way to segue or tie in sex robots in Cincinnati chili? Uh, is that going to happen? <laughs> You're just going to have to tune in to find out. So we'll be right back, guys. This week's episode is brought to you by Microplay in Brand Frontier, Canada. Located at 265 King George Road. Visit Chris and the gang for all of your video game needs. All right, guys, Big Joe and Mike back here on HTM Tech. Now, for this week, Mike, we have something very special um, set up here. We've kind of hinted at on the show, and of course, on the rest of the shows on the network, we've kind of hinted at it as well. We have a very spe- special discussion to talk about. We, we've talked about this before with the sex uh, robots and sex dolls and sex technology. And I don't know how this kind of all lined up, it came to be, but to talk about this topic some more, we have from the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, from HTM Sports, and from the Money Locker Room over in the Hami Media Group. We have Mr. Rick Vickery. Welcome to HTM Tech, sir. It's me, it's me. It's that R to the B to the V. Rick Vickery making that oh-so-sweet debut, ready to get wrecked here on hashtag HTM Tech. Gentlemen, thank you for finally bringing me into uh, this fine studio. Absolutely, man. I, I don't know. I don't know where to kind of start off with all this thing. We, we've talked about this on the before on the podcast before here, Mike. And with the CES happening this year, which we also had talked about, we saw some. I guess you could quote unquote call them innovations when it comes to sex robots and sex toys and all this kind of good stuff. So why don't we start with the sex toy thing? And, and the one that kind of caught me right off the bat with the information that you sent over to me, Mike, with the research that you did, was. Actually, this ended up being a video talking about uh, adult sex toys uh, on CS, and kind of th- scrolling through the comments like I always do, and then they actually mentioned it on the video too about supposedly demonized se- female sexuality, and I, and I thought, and she dropped the bomb in the video, and I'm like, but you didn't even explain what, why, or who, or what, and just it, uh, it, it kind of set the whole tone for the thing, for this whole subject matter. Yeah, they always have to find their social justice warrior rhetoric to, to insert into everything these days. And, and, okay, so I, I, what happened, what's interesting about this this year is that this is the first year they actually gave an official platform to mm-hmm. sex toys at CES. You yeah. know, traditionally it's been kind of seen as a no-no. I, I know there's been, you know, VR porn and stuff kind of stealthily snuck in there. But yeah, there was a big controversy last year. You probably saw this in a video where this one company called Osei which makes this like this giant I, I don't know who this is built for like <laughs> but anyway it's uh, it was considered to be too distasteful for CES so they actually they actually rescinded their award big controversial oh, wow. move yep. and they brought them back as an official platform what they've done is now they've put they put the sex toys section into the health and wellness section to kind of sanitize right. that a bit but like you're saying Joe it seemed like the big theme this year was empowering female sexuality mm-hmm. and we're going to get into my thoughts on that, but I want to yep. kind of, I want to get your thoughts on what you saw, what you guys saw on this video here. I'll let you go first there, Rick. Well, you know, when we're diving in to uh, in a head first diving in here to this sex tech conversation, I mean, this entire scene, it's something that I've had my hand on the pulse for this for a while. 
But over the course of this week, when we scheduled this this recording, get ready for broadcast and all that, it's I, I've seriously done some boning up on this. So I no pun intended. So as we're ready to to penetrate all of these these hot topics <laughs> that go around this industry, I wanted to bring something up. I love what Mike's talking about there. These buzzwords, the you know, as they're using this empowerment movement, this is about the woman's rights and how they're. They're verging ahead in society and all this. You got to look at these these buzzwords inside there. You know, you know, BJ. We've known each other for a couple of years now. Yeah. I am a marketing marketing guru. That's what Absolutely. I do. That is the mark job. And those are things that you look to exploit. As Mike sitting there pointing out, look what that's done. You know, within the past years, we've seen them where they do kind of they, they favorable towards maybe the male experience and they disguise that is the mm-hmm. VR or it's more acceptable for, for men to be openly, you know, and, and speak outwards about sexuality where yep. it's almost become almost, it's a joke in that sense where with women it's been taboo. So if you are one of those groups that is invested in those advancements, those technologies, how are you going to put yourself to the forefront instead of just being another, you know, sex toy or anything else out there on the market, you, you want to, Inside those buzzwords, you kind of want to strike fear where people don't want to push your button because of this social justice society that we're in. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what they've done, these companies in this venture. Now, the way that I'm kind of looking at this, I think I have uh, kind of a unique approach to this, but I think you've uh, hinted at this, Mike, when we've kind of had a bit of this discussion before, is that the thing with some of these sex toys is that they're almost kind of too good because then what can kind of happen looking at it from the male perspective i mean if the woman is getting all that she needs out of this stuff what the hell are we here for <laughs> it's setting an expectation that just the regular dude out there just can't come close to even matching that that's kind of the uh, um, uh, my opinion kind of a major side effect of this whole thing that's what i'm saying watch what you wish for seriously it's it's great for like uh, jargo it's uh, not jargo vickery my apologies you made a great <laughs> point there about yeah the fact that there was only there are all these taboos and it's, yep. it's great for women to be able to explore their sexuality in an open context and i'm all for that but at the same time there's got to be a tipping point like you're saying joe where without this technology is a man going to be able to satisfy you ever again seriously it's 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 like at some point where where are we where are we going to draw the line with this stuff what's your well, take you on that look at his, that's Sorry, jumping in there, Joe, on this. Yeah. You, know, you guys were looking at this from that male perspective. You know, mm-hmm. one of those individuals, I always say, take that step back, take that 360 walk, look at it from all, all angles, all gimmicks. You know, this is a, a two way street, as I said. You know, what we're, we're driving ourselves toward, and I think it's a, we're going to dive into this, but it's a bigger society issue where we are going in our trends, how we socialize, how we mm-hmm. live our lives. But just as important here, as women are starting to get, get to the forefront and how their advancements, and we're focusing in on these robotics, these toys, these interactive sex objects, if you will. Well, they could be just said this, exactly the same for men. Uh, I've seen some of these dolls, you know, looking at these videos, and we could get to a point. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you guys were Futurama fans. Yep, I watched it to all. a certain extent, yep. Well, uh, do you remember the episode about robosexuals? Uh, very vaguely. Was, very vaguely. It's been a long time for that show. And, Break it down for us, in case nobody's seen it. Break it down for us. Well, there's... The, I think there was a couple episodes that kind of went around this one, but the one I, I was really that that came to my mind when we were talking about this subject was Fry was able to download uh, his own version of a Lucy Lou, his dream woman. Nice. And it was built to 
cater to his every need. So it's the desirable woman in his mind that also was catering to his personality that didn't complain about anything. So as you're talking about, okay, as men, we're worried about becoming useless and extinct. Mm-hmm. And even to go further in this, when we get into medical advancements, you know, how we've had, you know, you can implant a man's seed into an egg where you almost were useless there in a sense. Yeah. But hell, I mean, if, if you give me, you give me a Shar Shar robot that can mm. make me a sandwich afterwards, yes. I don't need a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Until it gets too advanced. This is my problem because the thing is with all these sex robots, they're talking about artificial the intelli- the artificial intelligence aspects, all this, and how they can learn from you. I know that Real Dolls, which is that company that was started by Mark McMullen, there he's the big one. Especially yep. when I showed you guys that article about these these sex brothels and these, mm-hmm. these sex robot robot orgies that are happening across Europe now. Yeah. So these these dolls are built to learn. They'll 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 listen to you. They'll pick up on cues like where you grew up what your favorite movie is what your kind of favorite food is and they'll store this stuff in their data banks and it's almost like they're they're conversing with you like being that perfect companion where supposedly they're never going to argue with you they'll always be dtf right you know but is that true because on the west coast of canada now there's starting to have these sex doll brothels that have built-in consent that gets interesting now where the robot can technically say oh honey i have a headache Mm -hmm. what happens then just imagine getting basically emasculated by a robot. I mean, imagine you're, you're this kind of guy that just can't get anybody. You're having a hard time, and then you get turned down by an artificial intelligence. Looking at it from just from that respect, I mean, that happens. I mean, are some of these <laughs> right? It's man, even even the robot doesn't want my ass. I have a feeling they're probably gonna have an off and on switch for. You know, those capabilities on the robots. Mm-hmm. But as we're talking about this, and I, I think what so. makes this thing so interesting and, and potentially taboo is because of that sex factor. Yes. And I think they want to add that in these manufacturers or those individuals that are pitching this thing. You know, their selling point is this is not a sex doll come to life. They're trying to sell a companion. And mm-hmm. what is this really? All it is is the advancement of technology we already have in our heads. Look, the three of us are having conversations in different parts of the world, different countries. Yep. You know, we've got, you know, Alexis, play, what's the weather tomorrow? Okay, when you're done with that, give me a blowjob. Essentially, that's all the advancement of this is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same as it's the same as Google. How many times have we all been out there? Yesterday was very freaky. Phone, phone on the bar. I am talking about Grubhub, not touching anything. I haven't used Grubhub in 10 days, talking about it out loud with somebody, immediately pick my phone up, and I get uh, an alert, $10 off your next Grubhub order. I mean, how many times does that happen to all of us? You Google something, you go to social media, what are all the advertisements that hit you? They're somehow relatable to that. This is just an advancement technology, which seems a little bit taboo because we're we're tagging on that, that, that buzzword, you know, that scary that scary word, sex. Mm-hmm. But is this really, as an industry, all we're really talking about is the advancement of a digital society. Yeah, for, for, for me, when it comes to the actual uh, doll and a robot uh, part of this, and I did mention this on the previous episode when we talked about this topic, was that my kind of concern with the, the social aspect of it is, say you, you have uh, somebody that, that has one of these things, and that's kind of their main kind of interaction. How is this person going to really kind of function when it comes getting out into day to life and dealing with actual people? I mean, you have this robot, which I mean, for 
unless we have that kind of auto consent kind of thing built in, this thing is more or less kind of just doing what you want. I mean, there's never kind of really like a no, basically you're, it's all kind of a one way thing where then this person goes out into public and somebody denies them or says, no, how, how is that going to work in their brain? Like, are they going to be able to process that and kind of react like a normal person would? Well, you know, I'll jump in here real quick, Mike, yeah. on this. I think, you know, as I was talking about the movement towards and the trends in a digital society, I mean, we're already following that trend. I had a conversation the other day on the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling podcast with Michael Jargo. Make sure that you can find us over there. You can find this show here. You can find Joe and Carl with Turnbuckle Talk over at HittingMarks.com. But we're talking about, you know, how society is moving forward, how we're getting our interaction with other individuals I regularly, I, I'm an out and about guy. I, I have to have, you know, real interaction. Uh, I'm regularly, and I, I usually find that because it's the easiest place. All we can find people of all kinds of sorts, all walks of life, all mm-hmm. colors and creeds, and all that. So I like to go to a bar. I enjoy a cocktail and all that. With my generation sitting here at 40 years old, and I'll say probably like 35 to 40 was that last group. We'd get off work. We couldn't wait to get to a happy hour because that's how you interacted with everybody. Yeah. Go close the bar down, get up, go to work, do the same thing. You get into that 35 and younger now, it's not that they don't enjoy, you know, like drinking and smoking and things like that. But what they'd rather do is they go get those party goods, they go home, and then you hop online. You you can talk through your headset gaming. You can do it through social media, Snapchats, all of those things. That's how they keep in contact. And you're seeing more and more generation by generation gravitating towards that. Myself in marketing. I spend most of my time online. You know, I'm constantly in my computer, on my phone, and you know, people think I'm just kind of wasting my time there. So no, I'm actually working. I'm interacting. And I think, of, think about it in a grander scheme. You know, my, my best friends, people that I talk to on the daily, that, you know, way over the people that are actually in my real-world life, they're through social media. They know me better. I'm more in tune with them. And it's just the way that society is going. So with your advancements in technology, you, if you want to make some money, you need to be on the cutting edge of that, that cusp, and be able to provide those services. And kind of similar to what I actually I recorded Turnbuckle Talk with your your cohort, Mr. Michael Jargo, today. I uh, had an excellent time doing that. Uh, you guys are going to enjoy that episode this week. But we had kind of talked about certain things. We were talking about Impact Wrestling and when they got banned off of Twitch and where they kind of crossed the line there. And with this kind of stuff here, too, I mean, we don't know really kind of where the line is until we kind of cross over this uh, threshold. So, you know, there could be some mistakes that are that are made. And then, you know, once we cross over that, then, okay, we know, you know, this is far enough. We need to dial it back. Dial it back a bit. <clears throat> Yeah, you know what? It's easy to be like, for example, I'm of the mind that I don't see this being a positive for healthy sexual relationships. Like we already covered the fact that when you bring more technology into it, it's hard to replicate on the human side. Right. Like, yep. can a man really do what these wands can do? It's it's yep. debatable. On the other side, you know, you look at, for example, the proliferation proliferation of porn. Mm-hmm. Right. And and what that's doing to men's ability to perform. That actually came up in one of the articles I shared with you. I didn't have it as one of the, the red yeah. length articles, but it was more FYI. This was from the New York Post just earlier this month, January 11. It was called Why Today's Young Men Are Afraid of Sex. And I found this article literally the same mm-hmm. couple days that these sex orgy articles were coming out. And it's this whole idea now that young men are straying away from sex 
not just because of changing societal norms, but because they're afraid. They're afraid that they won't be able to please the woman in the way that yeah. she expects. And they're also, you know, they're also embarrassed about the fact that they can't perform in certain situations. So they'll blame it on, for example, the weed or, or the wit or whiskey dick or whatever they call it. Yep. I think it's the fact that you guys are not you guys, but like these guys that are complaining they're s surrounded by 24 seven porn where we didn't have access like that in previous generations mm -hmm. where at this point now, if you're constantly seeing these, these unattainable girls who are always in their early twenties, always fully made up like breast implants out to here. Are you really going to be attracted and be able to perform for an actual real woman when that's all your experience is? And then couple that in with, with women getting their stimulus from robots. I'm wondering what happens to the birth rate? That's a good, that's a very, very good point. Yeah, I'd like to add, because yeah. I did check out that article. I thought it was a fantastic piece, you know, some very great insight. But it, it kind of took, you know, my mindset to a different direction. When you're talking about men that are afraid of women or afraid to perform, again, going back to our society as a whole here, how much in this women's movement, you know, for every positive, there is a negative. There is a counter-reaction. So as the stronger women get, you're seeing men be emasculated, you know, where they don't, they're not, they yeah. don't feel as important. You know, you aren't the provider, the caregivers and all that. And, you know, that was your role, you know, that manly role. You've seen that those sway of balance change there where the scales are kind of evening out. Then you add into with even maybe with your advancements, hashtag me too. You know, mm -hmm. what, how, what, 100%. what is that? Where is, the, yeah. where is that line drawn where you think you're okay but because at a certain point, how a female might perceive you, you have crossed that line. And now any allegation makes you a complete predator, a, a villain, a criminal. I mean, that, that has to worry a lot of people there. Yep. So at that sense, if you can go find that companionship, eliminate all those stresses, all those hassles. I mean, absolutely. Why not explore that opportunity? Yes, and I'll be honest. Like I've even talked to uh, like millennials and Zoomers who who you know regular kids that are like like sports players, strapping young men that are not dating. And what's their answer? Too much drama. And that's a loaded statement. You, I think you just nailed it, Rick, right there. Yeah. And in this article, this is a lot. of This was based off of a book by Peggy Orenstein. It's called. And there's going to be a lot to take away from this title. And this is going to give away a lot of her agenda because you're saying the stuff that she isn't necessarily mentioning here about Me Too and all that stuff. She's only talking about it from a one-sided perspective, like, oh, there's something wrong with guys. They're pussies now, and they, they mm. jerk off too much. The book is called Boys and Sex, Young Men on Hookups, Love, Porn, Consent, and Navigating the New Masculinity. And when you see people like Pharrell Williams on the cover of Vogue wearing a dress and saying, we need to address masculinity and toxic masculinity, I'm like, mm. dude, just come out of the closet already. Seriously? Yeah. Like, come on. Like, why, why is all, like, when you when it's constantly, we're being told that masculinity is toxic. You know, anything that traditionally made a man, whether it's the John Wayne figure or the, the Clint Eastwood or, or even, say, like, uh, I don't know, like, there's so many other examples here. I, I, I get that. It, it's like you're afraid you're afraid that you'll say the wrong thing because you'll be deemed as a predator or a rapist. I mean, and look, it, it goes up to the highway, high, the high levels. You've got Vice President Mike Pence, who is known to not be stuck in an elevator or a room alone with a woman, has to have somebody in there so they hmm. can't get any dirt on him. Yeah. And that's everywhere right now. <laughs> now, having said all this, uh, I want to kind of 
look at some of the kind of the positives. And I think a big one that could have stood out to me, like, I, I do think that, you know, this isn't all necessarily negative. I think one place where it is beneficial is say, you know, we have a married couple, whether it be whatever. I'm not, I don't get into that discussion, that whole thing. Is, you know, we have, say, person A is in in North America and person B is over in Asia and, and they're a couple. And there, there was this, uh, actually this one product where I, I think it could be somewhat beneficial in that respect. Uh, basically where you through the app, uh, you're controlling the other toy that's pleasuring the other person. So that, that's something where I could see that could be a good thing. It's a positive. It's a benefit for these married couple that they still want to please each other, even though they're thousands and thousands of miles apart. That's something that's beneficial. I think. I think also. Oh, sorry. Go, I think you had something to say there, Rick. Go ahead. Yeah. Go well, ahead. I, I was going to say uh, I do agree with you there, Joe. I mean, it's going to keep the the intimacy inside of a marriage or a relationship where you know, mm. it, as we again, you know, I, I keep going back to this, but it is it's a reality here in this situation is where the trends of society are moving towards. We're on the go. We are a global society now. Mm-hmm. Businesses are just not local. You know, you go back to our great great grandparents. I mean, they might not. They might have only met you know, a hundred to a thousand people their whole lives because they were so, you know, localized there. And you see by generation by generation, as we see, you know, through just means of travel, through technology, how just our professions are growing, how the economy is growing, how everything's becoming more global. We're spreading out here. So to keep people kind of locked in in that nature, I, I would agree with something. That is something that, you know, in the privacy, I guess, I don't know if it needs to be overly exploited for financial gain and all that, but it could keep people together. And I think there's a certain limit to what we're able to accept because the thing I noticed from, okay, so this was the original article I shared with you guys. Mm-hmm. It, some of it was fun, but some of it's a little crazy too. So this was uh, out of the, where we got this out of the Daily Star, January 16th. So inside London's, London, UK being that, yep. first sex robot party where humans romp with dolls. Now, this is a real thing. This is like eyes wide shut mm-hmm. for the technocratic age where people go to some back hole dive. They have a certain dress code. They got to dress in leather, no casual clothes. Uh, clothes included and this is an actual orgy but they had one of those real dolls love dolls there that they're encouraging couples to to play with right and what they found was at the end of this was that some people were using it most people decided not to and were more just kind of looking at it as an oddity (laughs) or just kind of touching it and kind of playing with it but i think there was still this this cognitive dissonance that was happening where this just this is just too much this is just too much like westworld now mm-hmm. and i think we just kind of need to go find our own corner somewhere and just get back to regular old uh, romping so it's still early to tell I, I think there's a lot of hype around this to say oh this is gonna be like the next wave of human interaction where is it do you think we're ready for this i, I think specifically when it comes to the robot and the uh, the doll stuff i think that that's gotta stay like one-on-one and kind of private i mean just that the thought of doing something like that in front of other people uh not my cup of tea that's for sure well we can say that now but i, I would disagree all around i'm not a groupie kind of guy let's step. just put it that way well it, it, i think that is the next step because you know just go back here 20 years ago you know before you saw like the boom of the social media platforms we know now when there was like the aol and hmm. the microscape or whatever that was there and you had the the different chat boards you know things like that there you know porn and cyber sex that was taboo and now we're now we're in an age where our porn stars have crossed over to mainstream you know like hollywood stars Hmm. so it's about that growing fact growing forward so yes right now 
this robots, these robots in the interaction that you can potentially use them for sex. That is a bit taboo, but, but to show the interest that people would take enough and have enough intrigue to at least go check it out. You know, it's, it goes all the way back to how, how we found fire. You know, I'm sure people were just kind of poking around that thing. They're not really sure what this is, what we're going to do with it, how we use it. But eventually it became a normal in our life. And you can see that trend through generation to generation. This is just that next move. Now, ultimately, what it is, again, the taboo here is we're worried about this with sex. But all of these manufacturers of this, they are very point on this. That, And the consent comes into play here. So they want to stay away from people just identifying this as sex, sex, sex. This is an overall companion. This is you know, human reality coming at you. One of the things I, you know, reading through this and studying this is crossing over like into the medical field. I mean, can the parts that they're producing, how real could these things eventually be mm-hmm. where they even are able to replace like our human organs with robotics, with artificial intelligence parts? Oh, they're certainly already trying. Like we, we talked yeah. about with that one scientist that's trying to remove his natural organs, replace them with robotics so that he can yeah. live a few extra decades. Yeah. Albeit it's a, a bag of bones that's just sitting there like this, you know, <laughs> that's uh. interacting with a screen. But hey, it's too creepy for me. I don't know. Yeah. I Here's the thing, though. I mean, there's, there, this isn't all all bad because, okay, they, they made a good point um, in this other article from also the Daily Star where they talked about how real dolls their factory looks like something out of westworld where you've got all these parts sitting there and they've got this huge and they're they're starting to hire hollywood talent to make these dolls more realistic especially special effects artists and they're saying that the matt mcmullen who owns this company saying in five years you're not going to be able to distinguish these sex robots from real people and they're also making the claim that they're going to be walking upright and among us at some point Mm. so does that maybe when I start looking at the sex trade industry, for example, and all the dangers with that, uh, maybe this is providing something artificial for all these these people to go get their get their outlet without actually having to affect real women, and maybe that makes it safer. Uh, I, I could I definitely see that argument uh, for sure. I mean, this could be something that turns into like an outlet for, you know, people who you know have gotten into trouble, whether it be like sex predators or sex offenders and stuff. I guess maybe I'm it glad could you be. That up. I was afraid to bring that up, like the whole idea of the sex predator. To maybe it, like, it could turn into that one up right now. You know, I mean, maybe it could turn into kind of a healthy alternative for some of these people. But for, for me, just for the regular person out there, I, I think that this is still kind of really early days. It's something that obviously we're going to keep paying attention to to see how it kind of evolves through time here, but. Uh, but that's kind of my takeaway from it is that uh, for the average person out there, I think that this is still something that's uh, it's a little ways up when it comes, especially when it comes to the robot aspect of it. I think you know a bigger question there, and you look at this bigger picture. If they're walking amongst amongst us, I mean, when do we get into the conversations? Are we talking fifty years from now? With the you know, right now we're all about you know identifying and accepting whatever it might be with like transgender and how people identify. If these if these robots are able to give or deny consent, it mm-hmm. means they're having some kind of building conscious. I mean, where are we going to get into robo rights? So, you know, if somebody goes out and have sex with one of these robots and you go download, it's, it's backtrack and all that. It says it didn't really consent to this thing. I mean, are we looking mm. at people getting in prison? I mean, could there be criminal yeah. activity and charges? You know, where, Hate crimes yeah. or you know basic robberies, uh, murders. It's a civil rights. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're talking civil rights when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, 
We've already talked about this stuff. Yep. This is coming. They're they're already talking about how to counteract well, get ready for this civil rights future. They're already making laws in Estonia about this, and they're already looking to this into the EU. This is nothing. So anybody who's snickering, listen to this conversation right now. This is going to be a very real thing. And how do you make that line about what, where, where civil rights begins and ends when it comes to, for example, these robot sex workers? What is sexual assault at this point? Mm-hmm. What is consent? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, it's something we're going to keep an eye on, and uh, you know, we'll definitely kind of keep track of it as as it kind of goes. I mean, for hopefully we're doing this long enough to where we can see some innovations and some stuff on this. We will see. Now, as I had mentioned earlier today, I did record a turnbuckle talk with Mike, Mr. Michael Jargo. We had a good time, and we we got to the kind of the conversation. I was just wondering, you know, we were talking about, you know. We're going to be talking to Rick about sex robots. I know that you guys kind of earlier in the week had talked about Cincinnati Chili. And I was like, how are these, is there going to be a way to kind of segue or kind of combine these two things? It didn't really kind of come up, but you know what? We're going to mention it before we go here. I want you, Rick, now that we got you on here with us here, please tell me to a couple Canadians here how this is chili and not just pasta sauce. It's not a pasta. Well, first of all, it says chili in the name. It says nice out chili. I don't know how you get any more explain it better than that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it it has the chili spices in there. We just do a little different. You know, it is a little thinner. It is meant to be as a topping. You want to work this into a sex talk? It's a very easy, very easy transition. Because I've been the best ways, the best ways to have Cincinnati chili. What the base is, you know, we put it on a, a bed of spaghetti. Then mm-hmm. you put the chili on. It's about how you top it because you can do it a two-way. You can do it a three-way. You can do it a four-way. You can do it a five-way. So how many robots, how much money you got to put some robots <laughs> out, how many ways you want to do this with your Cincinnati chili, that's the beautiful part of it. And, and to kind of close up, the guys, on this topic here, mm-hmm. in, in that in that big picture again, truly, and you've, you've heard people talking about they're so worried when they see artificial intelligence yeah. in movies Really what we're creating in society, if it be through robot interaction, through social media, just through your basic web searches, we're creating our own matrix where we're building our own personal pods. Not saying that someone's controlling us or we're hooked up some grand machine, but in a sense we are. And we're talking, you know, what is this world going to be like? What are the rights that we're going to be arguing? What are going to be those hot button topics 50 years from now? Now, I'm guessing. You know, maybe one of my nephews would be running for president then. They're going to be running on this platform, a chicken in every pot and a sex robot on every cock. Amen to that. Make make America great twice again. There we go. I think that's the perfect way to kind of, and uh, you, you wrapped up a nice, you put a nice little bow on that one there, Rick. So I think we're really going to uh, wrap it up on that note. And, um, Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for being on. Uh, I'm just waiting for now for another topic that uh, is going to be relevant for us to, to have you on. Uh, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. For those who are hearing you for the first time, for whatever reason, on the show, let us know where people can find you and uh, what else that you uh, do on the HTM podcast network and outside of that. Well, you know, Monday mornings, uh, we're getting ready to record uh, tomorrow morning. Me and uh, my partner in crime, my tag team partner, my main man, Mr. Michael Jargo. You can find us over at HackerHameen.Pavin.com on the Hameen Media Group. In the Monday locker room, we're going to be recapping everything uh, from the fight world, from the wrestling world. Mm-hmm. Over the course of the weekend, we get your week going each and every, each and every week, every week during the year, the Monday locker room. Uh, then you can catch us midweek right here at HittingTheMarks.com, hashtag HTM Sports. Then over the weekend, we got the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can keep up with me personally, Rick Vickery, across all social media platforms at the Real RBV. But as I bid you adieu, I'm ready to go smash about 10 cheeseburgers from White Castle.
Here we go. And I'm going to go have some Canadian-style chili right now because i got something I'm making right now. So. That, that sounds terrible. Oh, it, it's it, no, it, it's excellent. If you ever come come to Canada, if you're ever allowed back into the country, sir, I will make you yeah, some true yeah, you Canadian chili, Big Joe style. I'm not allowed in the country. You know that. And if I was sitting at my my home base mm. of Northern Ohio, which I'm not, I'm in Cincinnati right now. But if I was in Northern Ohio, sitting on just the other side of the lake from you. You know what I'd give you, so here you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thank uh, you, gentlemen. All right, Rick, we will Thank see you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, Mike, so that about wraps up for this week. Uh, thanks again to Rick for uh, coming and talking about this. I mean, that was a great uh, talk. And, yes, folks, we were able to uh, somehow in a roundabout way connect Cincinnati, Chile, and uh, the topic they were talking about. Didn't see that coming, but, I mean, it was a great talk. And uh, definitely looking forward to finding another topic that we can bring him to talk about. Yeah, a lot of fun. Thank you, RVD. That was that was enlightening. Yes, absolutely. All right, Mike, we're going to end off the episode here. I kind of called an audible on here. I kind of surprised you a little bit, but you did. Yes. I, after last week, you know, I got thinking. You know, we, we played uh, that Muse song. I mean, the the, the drop is, is epic in that one. I thought, you know, outside of the Phil Collins song, which I mean, I'm definitely going to play at some point. I was like, what's another really good song out there? You know, from the early '80s that really had a great drop in it, and I was just like. Dire Straits, man. The Money for Nothing. I mean, this is a classic song. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, th- these guys are arguably like one of, in rock and roll history, one of the best. I mean, in 2018, these guys were inducted in, finally into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, Mark Knopfler, I mean, arguably one of the best guitarists of all time. I mean, th- this band has so many good things going for it. If you have never listened to a Dire Straits song, what the hell is wrong with you? Go and find some of their music and listen to it. So we're getting off the episode here with Money for Nothing by Dara Straits. Enjoy, folks. We will catch you on the next one. See you guys.
way you do it. Get your money for nothing. Get your chicks for free. We got to install a microwave oven. Custom kitchen delivery. That's the way you do it You play the guitar on the MTV That ain't working That's the way you do it Money for nothing And your chicks for free Money for nothing Chicks for free Money for nothing Easy, easy, chicks for 